Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. With your host, Brandon Okuma. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Let's Go, Brandon Okuma podcast. I know it's been a while, um, but daggone it, we're back. And we're ready for action. So on today's agenda, we have the overturning of Roe vs. Wade, inflation, gun control bill, Hunter Biden, and the border. I want to start off by thanking you all again for listening. Uh, feel free to tell your friends, family, co-workers, whoever you want about this podcast. Um, if you're enjoying it, then I hope they enjoy it as well. Alrighty then, so back in June, we had the overturning of the Roe vs. Wade. The Supreme Court voted 5-4 to to overturn Roe vs. Wade. Now, what a lot of people don't get about this, and what a lot of people think, is that their abortion rights have been taken away from them, and they're so distraught, and they can't believe this, and they're going to stop having sex. They're going to go on a sex strike, even though no one wants to have sex with those people anyways. But what the truth is, is that just because... Roe vs. Wade was overturned, doesn't mean the states can't have abortion still. What a lot of people don't understand is that by the Supreme Court doing this, it has just given the choice back to the states. And this basically just stems from the Tenth Amendment, which is the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states are reserved for the states respectively or to the people. Now, the Supreme Court decided that abortion federally is not a constitutional right. So they shot it back down to the states where your elected representatives will decide whether abortion will be illegal or not, or up to what week you may be able to have an abortion. And because of this, there's a lot of people who are distraught, a lot of people who are angry, who are doing dumb things, showing up outside Justice Kavanaugh's house protesting. Um, There was actually a man back in June who was armed outside of Justice Kavanaugh's house, and he was arrested. So I'm assuming he was going to cause harm to that justice and his family. Not too long ago, also, Justice Kavanaugh and his family were having dinner at a steakhouse, and people showed up at that steakhouse, and they were there to harass him and intimidate him. So for all of those out there who are so angry, so distraught about this decision, you can do one of three things. One, you can move states to a state that allows abortion, and if it really affects your life that much, go for it. Two, you can vote for someone in your state whose beliefs are in line with yours about abortion. Or three, and my personal favorite, you can get over it. Because if abortion is really that big of a deal in your life, then maybe you should reconsider some things and uh, get your priorities straight. I think there's plenty of things out there that you can worry about a lot more than uh, the overturning of Roe vs. Wade. Now, before everybody starts giving me crap about you're a man, you have no right to be talking about Roe vs. Wade and women's bodies and stuff like that. Well, first of all, liberals can't even define what a woman is nowadays. Second of all, how do you know I don't identify as a woman right now? And how dare you assume my gender? And third of all, according to liberals, I could be whatever I want in this life. So cash me outside, how about that? All right, now back to brass tacks. There's a lot of speculation out there about abortions. Everybody's arguments about that is, well, what if they're raped? What if there's incest? What if it's going to affect the mother's life? What if they can't afford it? Well, let's actually look up some statistics that actually talk about these topics and reasons people are actually getting abortions. So these statistics are coming from the first page, which is abort73.com. They're drawing a lot of their statistics from the CDC. So these statistics are from the CDC. 
2019, unmarried women accounted for 86% of all abortions. So unmarried women account for almost 9 out of 10 abortions. Just to give you numbers, on average, the United States has close to a million abortions per year based off from 2000 to current. There's roughly about a a million abortions per year. There are two sites on why do abortions occur. So one's from 2004, one's from 2020. We'll start with the 2004, the the Gutmaker Institute anonymously surveyed 1,209 post-abortive women from nine different abortion clinics across the country. Of the women surveyed, 957 provided a main reason for having an abortion. Of those 957 women, less than half a percent were victims of rape, 3% fetal health problems, 4% physical health problems, 4% said it would interfere with their education or career, 7% not mature enough to raise a child, 8% don't want to be a single mother, 19% done having children, 23% can't afford a baby, 25% not ready for a child, and 6% said other. A more accurate list, I would say, to nowadays is a survey from 2020 which came from the state of florida this says the state of florida records a reason for every abortion that occurs within its borders each year in 2020 there were 774,868 abortions in florida this table lists each reason and the percentage of abortions that occurred because of it so you can compare this one probably for the majority of america um, it's probably a lot more accurate i would say there's a lot more people who were surveyed in this one it looks like just under a tenth of abortions are coming from Florida, especially in this year. 0.01% of the 74,868 abortions in Florida said the pregnancy resulted from an incestuous relationship. 0.15% of the women said they were raped. 0.2% the women's life was endangered by the pregnancy. 0.98% there was a serious fetal abnormality. 1.48% the women's physical health was threatened by the pregnancy. 1.88% the women's psychological health was threatened by the pregnancy. 20.4% the women said they aborted for social or economic reasons. And 74.9% had no reason it was elective. For all those out there who say that abortion is healthcare, according to these statistics, that does not support that line. That does not support what you're saying because from this research, 95% of abortions are either because the woman aborted for social or economic reasons or they had no reason. It was elective. So once again, that's 95% of abortions. The big argument is the rape and incest argument or uh, the mother's life might be endangered. I want to say that when you get pregnant, there is always a chance that your life may be endangered. Whether you even know you're pregnant, you have an ectopic pregnancy, which can be dangerous. You take the baby to full term and giving birth, there's a chance for you possibly dying. But for the rape percentage, the incestuous relationship percentage, and the woman's life was in danger by the pregnancy, those accounted, those three accounted for less than 1% of abortions, which from this chart is roughly 0.36% of abortions. If we went off this chart, these same numbers for the whole country, it would be roughly 3,600 women for these specific reasons. And over 950,000 women would have the reasons for aborting for social or economic reasons, or no reason it was elective. Now, is there a chance that women don't want to say why they're getting an abortion? Yes. But based off these statistics, the argument that's, that it's healthcare, I don't think that should be an argument based off these numbers. If you have abortion or take away abortion, there's still going to be rape and incest. Maybe we try to be proactive and make consequences for those things, for those people who do those horrible things, 
Maybe we should have harsher consequences and maybe we should let it be known. What we don't really hear from abortions is how often there are medical complications. According to Pew Research, about 2% of all abortions in the United States involve some type of complication for the woman, according to the National Center for Biotechnology Information, which is part of the U.S. National Library of Medicine, a branch of the National Institutes of Health. The center says the most complications are considered minor, such as pain, bleeding, infection, and post-anesthesia complications. Not only are there complications sometimes... And 2%, if you take it from the million, is about 20,000 people. But uh, there are also deaths. There's not that many, but there are deaths due to um, complications with abortion. According to this report, from 2013 to 2018, there were about 0.4 deaths to women per 100,000 legal-induced abortions. So that is the other side that not many people hear about. I would be interested in seeing the, the statistics nowadays um, especially since Roe vs. Wade was overturned. I'm interested in seeing the statistics over the next 10 years based off what certain states decide, whether they leave it up to 15 weeks or they don't have abortions at all or they leave it all the way up to third trimester, which is absolutely insane. But some people are for that, and that's disgusting. If this ruling is such a big deal and problem in your life, you need to get out more. And life must just be too easy for you. As a society, we have moved away from being responsible. We have moved towards blaming our failures on something besides ourselves, on teaching people to blame their failures on something besides themselves, not holding people accountable, not holding ourselves especially accountable. I think as a society, we have created a path that is going to lead the country down a dark road if we continue on it. As a society, we have created the idea that if something does not go your way, if something goes wrong, then you have the right to blame it on something else. We are not holding each other accountable. We are not holding ourselves accountable. And the only way to fix the current path we are on with morals, with how the country gets ran, with how people act in society today, and it's disgusting to see, no one has respect for anyone else. There are very few And I can't imagine seeing the difference between our current society and let's say maybe the 40s or the 50s and even before that, where they told you, you made your bed, now lie in it, which means you made this decision and you're going to have to live with that decision. You're going to have to be responsible. I think that with abortion, it is one of those things where if we are not responsible before, we have a scapegoat. This is something we can go to. It'll fix the problem we had. And now it's over. And now it has given people in our society that mentality to find a scapegoat to fix a problem they might have. So they just don't have to deal with it anymore instead of facing it like a man or a woman. I understand that there are a lot of ways to not get pregnant. I believe that when someone says that they can't afford a child, it's not that they can't afford a child. It's that they don't want to. The people who say this are not the only ones who have thought the same thing. I know people out there who know they can't afford a child, but guess what they do? When they find out they're going to have one, they make damn well sure that they're going to be able to take care of it. They start taking self-responsibility, they get themselves a job, and they work their ass off. They don't find a scapegoat. They created the situation they're in, and they're going to take care of it. There's people out there who say they're not ready for a child. I don't think anybody really is. I have almost never heard someone say, I am ready for a kid. They usually think maybe. But no one's actually ready for a kid. They have one. They make it work. I think in today's society, this isn't just a 
about abortions, the responsibility thing isn't just about abortions. I think that it is something that we can be more responsible about ourselves. Being responsible in the U.S. stems to a whole lot of things, a whole lot of problems we have. It's not just that. You can look at it in almost every aspect of life that we're living currently today. I think if we want to get back to a country that we once were, a responsible country, where we held each other accountable, we held ourselves accountable. It's going to start with the individual. Who are you today? Do you hold yourself responsible for yourself? Do you create your bed and lie in it? Or do you burn it and just buy a new one? I think that when individuals start holding themselves more accountable, then as a society, it will force others to do the same. Because nowadays, holding yourself accountable is not cool. Being responsible about things is not cool to many. A lot of this starts at home. If you are someone who has kids, if you are someone who plans on having kids, raise them to be good people. Raise them to take responsibility for their actions. Every action has consequences, whether the consequences are good, whether consequences are bad, but you're going to teach them that they're going to have to deal with it. And for that, hopefully your child will thank you in the future. Hopefully your child will carry those traits on and hopefully your child will be better for it. What we are experiencing in today's society is the effects of people not being responsible. It's the effects of people not taking ownership of their actions. We live in a tough country right now. Things are not good. Inflation is at an all-time high, 9.1% as of June over the last 12 months, or another 40-year high now. People can't afford gas to get to work. People can't afford groceries to feed their families. And it's because we have elected bad policy. Joe Biden's going to blame this on bottlenecks. He's going to continue to blame it on Putin. He's going to blame it on the so-called pandemic. I could tell you a big part of the problem is all the spending that we were doing. We spent trillions of dollars giving it out to people in the United States over COVID that those people have already probably paid back in expenses now tenfold. We're spending too much sending the Ukraine relief bills when we are heading towards a recession. This is not the time to be spending money. We can't even secure our own border. We won't fund that, but we will fund securing another country's border over our own. We are so laser-focused on something abroad, and we have all these problems at home, that what we need to do is look in the mirror and fix it here before we go there. You, You probably heard it before. How can you ever help someone if you can't help yourself first, right? I'm sure you've heard that. The biggest problem we have with trying to fix things at home is trying to get that through to this administration. We have undoubtedly the worst president and vice president in the history of the United States. Their approval ratings have dropped consistently month after month. Our president never knows what planet he's on, who he is, or what he's doing. He just gets told to read the teleprompter, and even he can't do that correctly. Let's take a listen. It is noteworthy that the percentage of women who register to vote and cast a ballot is consistently higher than the percentage of the men who do so. End of quote. Repeat the line. By the way, my sympathies to your, the family of your, F, uh, uh, your CFO, who uh, dropped dead very unexpectedly. We need to take immediate action to stop contempt. We needed to take immediate action to stop contaminated formula. He sounds like Steve Carell did in Bruce Almighty when uh, Jim Carrey was controlling the teleprompter. <laughs> But there is someone in the running for worst speaker with him, if you can believe it or not. It's actually his right-hand woman. 
uh, old Kamala Harris. Take a listen. Despite the odds and the obstacles, we push to move forward, that we are guided by what we see that can be unburdened by what has been. I think that, to be very honest with you, I, I do believe that we should have rightly believed, but we certainly believe that certain issues are just settled. All signs point to good work having happened, but more work to get done. I know that each of you is up to this challenge because you are the mayor. <laughs> Yellow school buses are our nation's largest form of mass transit. How about that? Every day. So yes, and let's applaud because it gets them where they need to go. <laughs> work together and continue to work together to address these issues to tackle these challenges, and to work together as we continue to work operating from the new norms, rules, and agreements that we will convene to work together on. Kamala Harris's entire vocabulary consists of Hallmark cards, I think. I think next time I write one, I'm just going to try to sit down next to her and listen to what she's got to say, and you know what? It's going to write itself. If you believe then you believe that you can believe that you achieve, you know? Well, it is no secret that Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, has a serious drug problem. Uh, there are videos surfacing of uh, Hunter Biden with drugs and prostitutes. The guy's just trying to have fun, man. And if you can all remember, according to Joe Biden, Hunter Biden is the smartest man he knows. I think we can expect... More of these videos to start surfacing and the Biden family to start getting into some hot water. And you know what? Hunter Biden might actually be the only person who can get higher than Willie Nelson. But still not higher than these gas prices. Amen. In other news, there was a bipartisan gun control bill that was passed, unfortunately. Originally, the Democrats tried to pass a more radical gun control bill, which I don't think would have worked out. They would we're trying to raise the legal age to buy a firearm to 21 years old. I guess it was okay for them to send 18-year-olds out to serve our country and die for our country, but it wasn't all right for them to actually go buy a, le a weapon legally is what they were thinking. However, that wasn't going to pass, so they got some Republicans to help them put together a gun control bill. I myself do not agree with any gun control bills because they don't work. If someone is going to do a terrible thing and they want to use a gun to do that, they are going to get one, whether it's legally or illegally. And I think putting guns in the hands of law-abiding citizens to protect themselves, to protect their families, to protect their businesses is the only way to do so. The only people these bills and laws ever hurts are the law-abiding ones. Criminals don't follow laws, and there's a reason for that. People who want to commit evil, violent acts are going to do so. They don't care about the laws, which is exactly what happened in Uvalde, Texas at the school sh that school shooting where 19 children and two teachers were left dead. That individual did get the gun legally. He was an evil kid who was going to commit an evil act. And whether he did get it evil, whether he did get the gun legally or illegally, he was getting it one way or another, and he was going to do something. And if he wasn't able to get the gun in time, I'm sure he would have come up with other ways to commit this hateful crime, whether it was putting together a bomb, whether it was finding another means. And for the Democrats, it's an opportunity for them 
because they never let any tragedy go to waste. Every time something bad happens, they try to push their agenda, and this time it worked. And it's sad to see, but it's the truth. You look at any tragedy, Democrats will find a way to push an agenda for it. They work off hate and fear, and in this case, it's both. So according to Fox News, the Senate passed a bipartisan gun bill in a 65-33 to vote. The bill, spearheaded by Senator Chris Murphy, Democrat, and John Cornyn, Republican comes in the wake of several recent mass shootings. The mass shooting at an elementary school in Uvalde, Texas, which left 19 children and two teachers dead, was the major driver behind the bipartisan effort. I am proud that after weeks of hard work, the Senate passed the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act, a bill I negotiated with my colleagues, Cornyn said. Our bill will save lives while placing no new restrictions on law-abiding gun owners. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said the bill was the first major gun safety legislation to be passed since the Brady Bill in 1994. The bill would provide funding for states to create programs that could keep weapons away from people who are, in da- who are a danger to themselves or others, often called red flag laws. It would also enhance background checks for gun buyers under 21, add penalties for some gun criminals, and provide funding for a variety of health and mental health related programs. So many Democrats put these red flag laws into place in their own states. It basically means that if you think someone has something wrong with them, you don't like them, you don't trust them, and you know they have guns at their house, you can call and uh, the sheriff's office will come and seize those guns until an an investigation is over, which is total BS. If you don't like someone, you can just say, oh, they're crazy, they're threatening to do this, and then they can have law enforcement come in and take them. Continuing, it also addresses closing the so-called boyfriend loophole, which is a gap in federal law that means spousal domestic abusers can have gun rights taken away, but not unmarried ones. President Biden, in a statement after the bill's passage, said that after 20 years of inaction, bipartisan members of Congress came together to heed the call of families across the country and pass legislation to address the scourge of gun violence in our communities. Families in Uvalde and Buffalo, and too many tragic shootings before, have demanded demanded action, and tonight we acted. All 48 Democrats and two independents voted for the bill, along with 15 Republicans. There are some Republicans who came out to speak against this. The first one is Republican Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee, took to Twitter to say the bill would erode Americans' constitutional right to bear arms. Enhancing funding for school security and mental health treatment is a good thing, but it's being combined with giving the left a foothold to limit the Second Amendment, Blackburn Blackburn tweeted. I voted against the gun control bill because Americans' constitutional right to keep and bear arms is not negotiable. Senator Ted Cruz wrote on Twitter, It's common sense if we want to keep kids safe. Do not disarm law-abiding citizens. Instead, put criminals in jail and have police officers on campus to protect our kids. Now, like I said, this bill is going to do nothing. There are evil people out there. And acting like guns are the problem and not the person doing the violent act, it's not going to fix anything. So over the 4th of July, there was a shooter who killed six in Chicago suburbs. According to Reuters, Highland Park, Illinois, July 4th, a gunman perched on a rooftop, opened fire on families waving flags and children riding bikes at a 4th of July parade on Monday, killing six and wounding more than 36 in the Chicago suburb of Highland Park. The gunman climbed to, climbed to the roof of a business using a ladder in an alley. Police said the attack turned a civic, civic display of patriotism into a scene of mayhem. Hours later, police announced that they had the suspect in custody after a 22-year-old surrendered to authorities. But that's not the end of it on the 4th. So at least 71 were shot over the 4th of July weekend in Mayor Lori Lightfoot's Chicago, and more than 50 people were shot over July 4th weekend in New York City. Um, just keep in mind that both of those cities have some of the strictest gun laws, and obviously it's not working. Passing this bill was a reactive response and not a proactive response. 
something happened, therefore we need to ban the weapons. We need to control the weapons. Problem is the people. And maybe we should try to start taking a closer look at the types of people who are convi- committing these acts. On another topic that Democrats don't quite care about because they think they may be able to use it to their advantage in the future. The Southwest land border encounters continue to shoot through the roof. The, South, the Southwest border is being overran. People are flooding in a lot faster than we can control them. A whole lot faster. So we're going to go back over the numbers because I've talked with you guys about this before. But in 2019, and this is from the United States Customs and Borders Protection. In 2019, we had a total of 977,509 border encounters. In 2020, we had 458,088, so almost half that year. After Biden got into office, it jumped up to 1,734,686. So that's from 458,000 the year prior to when Joe Biden took office, it jumped up to 1,734, approximately four times the amount. We have four months left in calculating this year's since October of 2021 to May 2022, there have been 1,536,899 we're going to surpass last year's by a large margin. We still have June. We still have to calculate from June, July, August, and September. And as of this year, the numbers continue to go up. So since January, January was at 154,000. February, 165. March, 222. April, 235. May, 239. If we continue on this incline for the rest of the year, we're going to be at approximately 250,000 border encounters per month for these last last four months, which would be just about 1 million more encounters, which would leave us at 2,500,000 border encounters for the year 2022, over 700,000 more than last year's, which would also be five times more than the previous year in 2020 of Donald Trump's last year in office. Might I also remind you that the Biden administration is getting rid of Trump's remain in Mexico policy that he had in place. So don't plan on seeing these numbers going down anytime soon. I think we all understand that the reason Democrats don't really care about this is because they're going to allow these illegals to come in. They're going to grant them amnesty, therefore making them citizens. And they believe that they are going to vote for them, basically rigging elections. And who would want to come in legally? The process is a lot harder getting into becoming a citizen legally the right way. It's like cutting the lunch line. I'm sure we've all experienced people cutting the line after you've been waiting for hours. And in these people's cases, it's been years for them to try to become legal citizens. And then someone else just walks in illegally and, you know, they get handed their card over you. And you're like, what the hell? That's not cool. But that's the life we live in. So remember, when you're going to the pools this fall, or this winter, November, just remember how much policy affects your life and how important it is to decide who to vote for for that reason rather than other dumb reasons like someone might say something mean. So your feelings got hurt. And with that, that's all we have for today, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you again for listening. And a little update, I'm going to start to try and get some guests, some special guests on my podcast, hopefully soon. Um, So that is something to look forward to. So stay tuned and keep listening. And lastly, if you have any questions, anything you got to say to me, hate mail, send it on over to LGBO at LGBOpodcast.com. See you next time and let's go, Brandon. Yeah, they're chanting. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. I agree.